Today we'll talk about how to deal with anger and offense. How to deal with anger and offense. Brothers and sisters, God is serious about our emotional healing. He's very serious about it. And God knows the damage that offense can do in a human heart. And you will see that in the next few minutes or so. The quality of our lives and our relationships is determined by our emotional health. If you're not emotionally healthy, you cannot have a healthy relationship with the people around you. You cannot have a healthy relationship with your husband. You, you cannot have a healthy relationship with your wife. The quality of our relationships is determined, is based by our emotional healing. Emotionally healthy people live a better quality of life. Emotionally healthy people are much happier than those that are, not, those that are wounded. Emotionally healthy people have a better and stronger relationships in their lives. If you are not emotionally healthy, you will not have a strong relationship. You will not have a good quality life. Let's look at this verse, you know, by Paul. Paul said something which is very important, and we're going to, uh, you know, to, to look at that even tonight. Paul says, uh, Paul says in the book of Acts chapter 24, verse 16, he says, this being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. He says, I have made a decision. I will not allow God to offend me. I will not allow God to offend me. We have a lot of people who are offended by God. Actually, everybody who leaves church or who leaves Christianity, they don't leave church because they are happy. They don't leave God because they are happy. They don't leave Christianity because they are happy. They leave because they are offended. They are offended. And Paul says, I will not allow God to offend me. How can God offend you? Sometimes you'll pray for something and God may not respond as you expected. And you get offended. Sometimes you may pray and ask God to heal someone and they die. You get offended. We have a lot of offended Christians. We have a lot of offended Christians. Paul says he has made a decision that he will not allow anyone to offend him. He says, offense, it's a decision. And he says, I have made a decision that I will not be offended either by God or by any other man. My brother, my sister, you can decide to be offended or not. It's very simple. Let's look at this. Two people may say the same thing to you. Same thing. It could be a joke or not a joke. But somebody, two people can say the same thing to you. And one of them, you get offended at them. And the other person, you are okay with it. Your wife can say the same thing that your colleagues say. But you get offended when your wife says it. But when your colleague says it, you just smile or you just make it like a joke and you, you laugh. Why? Because offense is a decision. By the way, not everybody can offend you. There are some people, they can do the same thing, like I said. But you don't get offended. Now, now, today, 
I want us to look at two men in the Bible who went through almost the same situations, similar experiences, but they responded differently. They responded differently. One responded in the right way, and he was blessed, was elevated. And the other one was, I mean, he decided to make a, a response that was negative. And he died. He went to hell. How you respond to situations will determine the outcome of the situation. Your response to situations may have generational impact. It may affect your children. It may affect your children's children. And it may affect many generations to come just because of one decision that you have made. So if you decide to make a positive decision in a situation, that decision, it's not yours alone. That decision affects other people. Let's look at Jesus when he started his ministry. Jesus chose 12 apostles out of many disciples and followers. Yes, I said many disciples because Jesus had more than 5,000 people who were following him. He had a lot of people who were following him. He had a lot of disciples. Right from the beginning of his ministry, Jesus was followed by many people. And these followers, we call them disciples. We call them disciples. So Jesus did not only have 12 disciples. Jesus had more than 12 disciples. Those 12 were just part of the bigger uh, number of disciples that Jesus had. He had many disciples. So before he started his ministry, Jesus made a very serious decision. Something very interesting that Jesus did. Before he started his ministry, Jesus chose or he selected 12 volunteers. He selected 12 volunteers and he called those volunteers, he called them apostles. He called them apostles. Like I said, he had only 12 apostles, but many disciples. When you talk of an apostle, the word apostle, actually it's from a Greek word, apostolos. Apostolos, it's a Greek word, and it means one who is sent off, somebody who has been sent out. So Jesus 12 disciples, he decided to choose 12 apostles out of the many disciples. He selected 12 of them, and he decided to prepare them for ministry. When you talk of a disciple, a disciple, it simply means a follower. Therefore, if you are a disciple of Jesus, you are a follower of Jesus. An apostle was, was specifically chosen. When Jesus chose you as an apostle, he chose you to spread the gospel after his death and resurrection. So if you're one of those 12, you knew that the, you know, the, 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 the mandate from the beginning, the objective, it's so that when Jesus has died, we have to continue with this gospel. That was the purpose of the apostles. So he chose 12 of them and he prepared them for ministry. He trained them for ministry. He invested his time. He invested his life. So they stayed with him 24 hours to see how ministry is done. He demonstrated how to do ministry, how to heal the sick. And he, he did all that in front of his disciples. Every time he wanted to perform a miracle, he will call, he will call some of his, his apostles to come with him to show them how to do ministry. 
And they were expected to do the same after he's gone. So Jesus spent about three and a half years preparing his apostles for ministry. I want us to look at, you know, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 2, I want us to see uh, who those apostles were. Matthew chapter 10, verse 2 says, these are the names of the 12, 12 apostles. First was Simon, called Peter. He was a very dominant one here. We all know Peter. And his brother, Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. So it was John and James. Actually, most of them, they were almost brothers. Most of them were almost related. So Peter had a brother. His brother was Andrew. In actual fact, Andrew is the one who invited Peter to Christ, if you remember. So we have Zebedee. Zebedee had two sons. And this guy, he was, he was rich, was a prominent figure in the society. When we get a chance, we'll do some Bible study on him. But he had two sons. The two sons were James and Zebedee. And both of them, they became Jesus' apostles. The next one was Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, that is Thomas the Doubter, Matthew. His own was a former tax collector. He used to work with uh, the tax department. James, son of Alphaeus, Tedius, Simon, the zealot, and the last one is Judas Iscariot who later betrayed him. And today I want us to look at Judas Iscariot. There are some few things that I want us to learn from him. There are some few things I want us to learn from Judas Iscariot. He was one of the 12 apostles. Judas was the last one to be named. I think you have noticed it. And possibly he was the last one to be chosen. Just imagine when Jesus called everybody and they wanted to know what's going on. And he says, I want to choose apostles. I want to choose 12 of you. And he started to call each one of them. And he says, Peter, he started with Peter. Peter, come. And Peter came up front. And he said, uh, Andrew, come. John, come. And he said, you also come. I just imagine someone says, me. So no, 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 not you. Just behind you. Come. And they came up front. And up to number 11. And the last one, he looked around and he looked around. And everybody wanted to see who will be next. Because he, they knew that that was the last person to be called. And he said, you. And he pointed at Judas Iscariot. Come also. And Judas Iscariot, he came. So he was the last one to be called. When we were still young, we used to play street football or soccer. And we'll have two people who, you know, with our seniors, and they would always choose the squad. And always they would start with those players who were skilled. And they would choose them and choose them and choose them. And the last one to be chosen probably would be the one who is least skilled the one that everybody did not choose. And always when you were the last person to be chosen, you will know that probably I'm the least when it comes to the skills. And possibly that's how Judas Iscariot fell, right from the beginning. 
right from the beginning. It was the last one to be named. It was the last one to be named. And when you read in the Gospels, you will find that every time when we read about those 12 names, Judas was the, it's always the last one to be named. In all the four Gospels, it's always the last one to be named. And that is very significant. It's very significant. Let me show you something here. Judas was the last one to be named and possibly to be chosen. When you look at the map of Israel, and I'll show you in the next minute or so, we have two uh, regions, the northern region and the southern region. The northern region is called the Galilee area, and the southern part of Israel is the Judea area. In between, we have Samaria. So all the disciples, all the apostles that were chosen, all of them, those 12, all the other 11, they were from the Galilee area, except one apostle, Judas. He was from the south. Judas was the only one who was not from the Galilee region, was not from the Galilee area. And that is very significant. His name is Judas Iscariot. Judas is his name. Iscariot, it's a place where he came from. It's a place where he came from. He came from a place called Kirioth. It's in the southern part of Judea, just below Jerusalem, parallel to the, uh, the Dead Sea. That's where he came from. He came from, it was a very small town or a village called Kirioth. That's where he came from. So Iscariot, it's not his last name. Iscariot, it simply shows where he came from. He came from Kirioth. Is or Ish. Ish simply means man. Ish means man. Isha means woman. So when you say Ish Kirioth, Ish Kirioth, it's a man of Kirioth, a man from Kirioth. So Judas Iscariot is Judas the man from Kirioth. He's a man from Kirioth. I'm going to show you a man. Let me share with you here so you can understand what we are talking about tonight. What we're talking about is, let's look at this map. Most of you are somewhere down here in South Africa. That's where most of you are. And in the north, we have Zimbabwe. Then we have Mozambique on the right. We have, as you go up, you'll go through Zambia. And we have quite a number of people who are joining us from Zambia even tonight. Then as you go up, we have Uganda, uh, South Sudan, Sudan, Egypt. Then you cross over, we have Israel here. And this is Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem. Now in the north, uh, here in, in Israel, in the north we have Galilee and in the south we have the Judea. So uh, Jerusalem, it's in the Judea area. Bethlehem, it's in the Judea area. So that's the area that we are talking about, this area here. And I'm going to show you the next map that will be much, much clearer uh, and show you what we're talking about here. But that's where we, we are tonight. That's what we are talking about tonight. And this will help you uh, to understand what we, uh, we are talking about. Let me share this map with you also 
so you can uh, you can see what we are uh, talking about. Now, this is a map of Israel. This is a map of Israel. Here we have the Mediterranean Sea on the left. And this is what you just saw on the map, this uh, Jerusalem. The southern part is called Judea, and the northern part is called the Galilee. And in between, we have Samaria. Remember, when Jesus met the woman at the well, it was here in John chapter 4. It was here in Samaria. And the Bible says he had to go through Samaria because he was leaving uh, the Judea area, was leaving Jerusalem, going to Galilee. So he had to go through Samaria. That's what the Bible says he had to go through Samaria. Okay, but let's look at here in the north, we have, this is the Sea of Galilee. Down here, this is a Dead Sea. And Judas came from here, the Kiriath area here. That's where Judas came from. So when we say Judas Iscariot, is Judas a man from Kiriath? A man from Kiriath. Let me share with you another map here. It's almost the same like what you just saw. This is Kiriath. That's where Judas came from, in Kiriath here. So this is Jerusalem in the south, and he's go to the north with the Sea of Galilee. And in between here is the River Jordan. Between the River Jordan, it connects the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. This is a Dead Sea here, down here. Nothing lives here in the Dead Sea. Everything is dead because it does not flow below or beyond the Dead Sea. So that's where we are uh, tonight. That's where we are tonight. And that's where Judas came from. That's where Judas Iscariot came from. And there's a reason why I wanted to have an idea. Judas was always the last one to be listed or to be mentioned or to be named among the apostles. And also another thing that we, we see here is he, he was not from the north. He was not from Galilee. He was from the south. And he was the only apostle who was from the south. Just imagine every time when they, they were introduced, every time they go to a crusade, or they go to a ministry activity. And when Jesus introduced his disciples, he will start with Peter and all the other disciples and Judas will be the last one to be named, will be the last one to be introduced. And I guess that did not go well with Judas. He always felt like he's an outsider because he was from a different tribe or was it maybe even if he spoke the same language with them, because they speak Aramaic, most of them. So even if he spoke the same language with them, but probably he spoke a different dialect. I mean, if you are from a different region, even if you speak the same language, like you speak Tonga, somebody who's from Guyana or from Bush or from Zanin, they will not speak the same way. It will be a different dialect. And it's the same thing with him. He was from the Southern region, whereas everybody was from the North. So probably he will speak a different language or speak the same language with them, but with a different dialect. And he felt well, he was not accepted within that group. Maybe they will even make some jokes. That will not make sense to him. You know, there are some jokes that are regional, that are local. There are some jokes that you can only make in Southern California. And if you make the same joke, maybe in New York or other places, it will not make sense to them because of the locality. Some of the references of the places that you, you mentioned, people may not understand. People may not understand. So Judas felt like he's an outsider. He was not part of the group. He was not part of the group. And I want to give you some few instances here where you will see where he felt like he was almost like discriminated against. 
When Jesus took the, his disciples, the three uh, disciples or the three apostles, Peter, James, and John, when he took them up to the mountain, we talked about this two weeks ago, some of you who were part of our Bible study. When he took them up to the mountain, he took Peter, James, and John. I don't know if Judas maybe said, can I come with you? And Jesus said, no. No, you cannot come with us. So Judas felt like he's left out. He felt like he's left out. He felt like he's not part of the team. Maybe Jesus, like I said, maybe might have asked and said, can I come with you? And he was told, no, you cannot come with us. When they came back, and, and you remember those three, Peter, James, and John, when they came back, and they shared their experience. They shared their testimony of what they have seen up in the mountain. How did Judas, I mean, Judas felt? He was denied an opportunity to go and see the transfiguration. If it were you, how would you feel? If you were Judas, how would you feel? How would you have responded? Most of us would have been offended. When Peter walked on water, I don't know, maybe Judas also tried and he was returned. How would you feel when only Peter is invited and you are not invited? When Jesus went to raise Jairus' daughter, he invited some of his disciples to come with him. But Judas was not invited. He was not one of them. How would you feel if you're Judas Iscariot? How would you feel? And finally, Judas was openly rebuked in public. I mean, he was harboring all those grudges, all that anger throughout his ministry. And finally, Jesus rebuked him. We all know the incidents in John chapter 12 when Jesus rebuked him. When they were having supper, let's look at James, uh, John chapter 12, verse 3. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Everybody enjoyed the fragrance of the perfume. Verse four, but one of his disciples, who is that? Judas Iscariot was later to betray him. He objected. Judas was not happy with that. Look at verse five. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. You remember Judas was there, he was a treasurer, was entrusted with money. And he said, this is just a waste of money. Why, why do we have to waste money on anointing Jesus? Verse six is very interesting. John, when he wrote this narrative, he says in verse six, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was a thief, as keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself what was put into it. So Judas used to steal the money. He used to steal the money. And, and I believe Jesus knew that some money was missing, but he kept, all, he, he kept him in the ministry. So Judas was so angry, he was so offended to an extent that he started to, to, to abuse or to misuse or to steal the money that he was given to take care of. Let's look at verse 7. Let's look at how Jesus responded. He says, leave her alone. Brothers and sisters, I don't believe Jesus 
softly said, leave her alone. Probably shouted and screamed and said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. In front of the people. In front of the people. And Jesus continued to say, it was not intended that you should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you. But you will not always have me. So Judas Iscariot was rebuked in front of the people. Was rebuked in front of the people. Let's look at how Luke, uh, Luke reported that incident. He says, right after Jesus has rebuked Judas Iscariot, Luke chapter 22, verse 3, then immediately Satan entered Judas and call, called Iscariot, one of the 12. So Judas, he got offended, he got angry, and the Bible says immediately Satan entered into his heart. Look at what, how Judas responded in verse 4. And Judas went to the chief priests in the office. He was so angry. He knew that they are looking for Jesus. And he decided, okay, I'm done with this. And he just went straight to the chief priest and the officers of the temple, of the temple guard. And he discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. I can get this guy for you guys. Don't worry. He was so angry. And they were delighted and agreed to give him money. Judas Iscariot was so angry, was so annoyed, was so annoyed. From this incident, Judas got more offended and he left immediately. And he went to meet with the chief priest and the officers. He sold Jesus. And as we all know, but later he committed suicide. After soliciting Jesus, Jesus was later uh, crucified. Judas was offended. His anger was building up from day one. When Jesus rebuked him in public, Judas could not take it anymore. That rebuke was the last straw that broke the camel's back. Judas said, this, this far and no further. I can't take this anymore. I can't take this anymore. I can't continue with this ministry anymore. He left the disciples. He left Jesus. He left the ministry. He left everything. This is the man who literally walked with Jesus for three years, brothers and sisters. We are talking about the treasurer of the team. Was the treasurer of the greatest ministry in the history of the universe. Was entrusted with the ministry funds. But he got offended and he left it. What does this tell us? What does this say about you and me? If we're not careful, my brother, my sister, if you're not careful, my pastor, we may get offended, just like Judas, and we leave the ministry and betray the ministry and betray the kingdom of God. We may be offended and leave our families, leave our wives, leave our husbands, leave our church. Offense allows Satan to enter our mind and influence us. When Satan enters your mind, you only see bad things about your husband. You only see bad things about your wife. You only see bad things about your church. You only see bad things about your pastor. 
Even the people who have helped you in the past, you only see bad things because you are offended. Offense opens doors for the devil in your life. And you start to see things in an evil way. Everybody becomes evil around you. Judas, the Bible says, Judas allowed Satan to influence him. Then he left and he went to the high priest to betray Jesus. I know of a lot of pastors and leaders who got offended and they left ministry. Now they are nowhere to be found. I know of husbands who got offended and they left their families and their wives and their kids. They are now suffering. I know of women and mothers who gave up on their families. Their children are now struggling emotionally. Let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. Even if you forget everything I have said, please remember, all private decisions have public ramifications. All private decisions have consequences and results. Your decisions are not private. They affect all people around you. When you get offended, other people are affected by your offense. When you get angry, other people are affected by your anger. Have you seen a school principal or a manager or a mother or a husband or a pastor who is offended and how they treat you, how they treat other people around them? Judas convinced himself that nobody loves him. His fellow disciples or fellow apostles, they do not love him. Nobody cares for him. He even believed that Jesus, the vision bearer, does not love him, does not care about him. That's why he left the ministry. How can you move from being a Jesus disciple, from being an apostle, from being a ministry treasurer, and you become a hater and a betrayer of the Lord himself? All this happened because he allowed himself to be offended. You could be offended by your pastor. You could be offended by your wife, by your children, by your colleagues by your leaders, by your husband. If you do not deal with it, if you do not take care of it, nothing good will come out of that offense. As I'm speaking, some of you are offended. You are, you are bitter. You are angry even today. It will continue to grow until one day you best like Judas did. If not dealt with, all offense lead to sin. If you don't take care of it, your offense will lead to sin. I want us to look at the second man before we close. This is a man who almost went through the same experience with Judas. Actually, it was even worse than Judas, but he handled the situation different, totally different. I'll talk about the name that most of you probably might never have heard about before, and for a good reason, for a good reason. After Jesus has ascended back to heaven, the apostles needed someone to replace Judas Iscariot. Because by that time, Judas Iscariot had committed suicide after betraying Jesus. So they wanted the ministry to have a complete team of 12 as Jesus left it. So before selecting the, the new team, I mean the new team member, they, they, they said, some requirements. And one of the requirements was, you remember I told you that Jesus had more than 12 disciples? 
So one of the requirements was we wanted someone who has been with us, who started with the ministry from the beginning, but he was not selected as one of the apostles. Because there's a difference between a disciple and an apostle. You remember I, I talked about this earlier. So Jesus had more, more than 5,000 disciples who were following him, but he had 12 apostles. So they finally selected two disciples. Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. So these two, they followed Jesus all these years without a position in the ministry. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 21. Acts chapter 1, verse 21. And that's where we see the selection of these two uh, great men here. Acts chapter 1, 21 says, so now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. So they are saying, this is Peter was speaking. They are saying the person must have been with us and he must be, they have been following us from the beginning. He must have been following us everywhere we went with Jesus. Verse 22, from the time he was baptized by John until the day was taken from us. So this man that we want, it must be somebody who witnessed when Jesus was baptized by John. Remember John the Baptist? We talked about this last week. We saw Jesus being baptized last week by John. So we need somebody who has been with us right from the beginning of the ministry. Even when Jesus was baptized by John, we want somebody who has witnessed that. And who even witnessed Jesus' death and resurrection. Whoever is chosen will join us and he must have been a witness of Jesus' resurrection. Verse 23. So they nominated two. And these men were Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they cast lots. And Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. With the other 11. So here we see Matthias being selected. And like I said, most of you, you never heard about the name Matthias. But Matthias became the 12th disciple. He replaced Judas Iscariot. Matthias qualified because he stayed with Jesus from day one of the ministry. It's very interesting. His name was never mentioned, even in a, in a single verse. It was never mentioned in the Bible. This is the first time we hear about him. And most of you, you're also hearing about him for the first time, the name Matthias. This man, he followed Jesus from the beginning, right from the start of the ministry. And he was there. And he witnessed when Jesus was baptized by John. He was there when Jesus selected the 12 apostles. When Jesus said, you, come, John. You, Peter, come. You, Andrew, come. And Jesus selected all of them. Matthias was, one, was not one of them. But Matthias did not give up. He was there when Jesus selected the 12. He saw all the miracles that Jesus performed. When Jesus got into the boat with the 12 apostles, to the other side, when he said, let us go to the other side. Matthias was there, but he was not invited. He was not invited. 
when Jesus and his disciples or his, his 12 apostles, when they were invited to special occasions for supper, Matthias was not invi invited. He was excluded. He was not part of them. He could only follow Jesus during public events when everybody was there. Matthias was aware that nobody noticed him. Brothers and sisters, I have read all the four Gospels. I have read the book of Matthew. I have read the book of Mark. I have read the book of Luke. I have read the book of John. I have never seen his name recorded or recognized anywhere in these Gospels. He was not selected as an apostle. He did not participate when Jesus went to the mountain with James, Peter, and John. He did not see the transfiguration. He did not participate in the healing of Jairus' daughter. He did not participate when Peter walked on the water. Actually, he was not even on the boat. At least Judas Iscariot was in the boat. Most people would have stopped following that ministry long time ago. I know of people who got offended just because somebody mentioned, I mean, forgot to mention their name when they gave a, a vote of thanks in an event. You know, next month, we'll be, we'll be traveling. We'll be in South Africa, Zambia, and other places throughout the month. At the end of every event, you'll have somebody who will stand there and give a vote of thanks. And give a, a vote of thanks. And we'll mention a list of names of the people who have helped to prepare for the event. And I know sometimes they will forget someone. And you know that they forgot your name. They did not mention your name. How will you react? Oh, my name was not mentioned. When they thank those who have helped, when they thank those who have contributed, when they thank those who have tithed. You remember during the pandemic, my pastor or our pastor would not have survived if it was not for my tithe or for my offering. I kept on tithing and offering even during the pandemic. But when it's time to thank people, he does not include me. He does not thank me. The pastor forgot to mention my name when he thanked other people, when he thanked those who helped prepare for the conference. This conference would not have been a success if I did not help with transportation. But they forgot my name. When, when they mentioned the, the biggest donors in the church, the top 10 givers in the church, they did not mention my name. I'm telling you, people get offended over small things. Here is Matthias. You follow a ministry for three years, nobody even mentioned your name. Nobody even write about you. Some of you are still offended. Just because they, you were not recognized when they gave a vote of thanks during the funeral. Maybe you're not invited to a graduation party or a school event or an office event or a church event. You're not invited. Maybe even your child was not invited to the birthday of somebody's child and you get offended. Oh, I'm leaving them. I'm leaving this church because they don't care about me. You get offended over little things. Just offended because nobody recognized you. Some of you, you feel like you know, in your staff room, you're not recognized enough by your school principal or your manager or your head of department or maybe your church. 
Maybe you had a funeral. And during your funeral, you feel like, I mean, the funeral of, uh, you know, of your, of your, in, in your family, you feel like your church does not support you enough. And because of that, you are leaving the church. You are offended. Let me say this. Let me say, please listen to me. Please listen to me. Some of you, some of you will be very far in life if you're not offended. If you did not give up. Some of you will be very far in life. But you're like the children of Israel. You're just moving around, around, around the same cycle for four years, five years, eight years. You're just moving around the cycle because you're always offended. You're always offended. Some of you, you give up when you're just at the verge of your breakthrough. You give, you give up. You get offended. When God is about, is about to bless you in that church, when God is about to bless you in that family, when God is about to bless you in that church, in, in, that, in that job, when God is about to bless you in that relationship, in that friendship, you quickly give up because you are offended because they said something that you did not like. Some of you will be very fine in life, but you are not moving in your life because you keep on giving up. You get easily offended. Matthias, was never recognized, but he stayed the course. He stayed with the ministry throughout his life. Judas was offended and he left the ministry. He betrayed Jesus and he died early. Who would you like to identify with in your life? Who are you identifying with tonight? Judas Iscariot or Matthias? Some of you regret you wish you could have stayed longer in that job. You wish you could have stayed longer in that school. You wish you could have stayed longer in that relationship. But you were offended and offended by very small things. And if you look back and, and ask yourself, what is it that offended me? You find that it was something very small. It, so it was not worth it. It's because they gossiped about you, that's all. Then you leave school. Some of you did not graduate or obtain your diploma just because you, you got offended. You didn't get your, your, your degree just because at some point you got angry and got offended, then you gave up. You are so easily offended that you never finish anything. You never complete anything in your life. That's why you don't progress in your life. You give up so quickly. You don't finish anything. You give up so quickly in your relationship. You give up so quickly in your school. You give up so quickly in your job, in your church, at home. Brothers and sisters, as long as you stay easily offended, you will never accomplish anything in life. Everyone who has accomplished something in life, they stayed the course, even when it was tough, even when it was difficult. Ask any, best, any person who has been successful, if they are honest with you, they will tell you how difficult it was. Anyone who is successful, they went through difficult times in their lives. Nothing comes easy if you want to succeed in life. And if you just give up every time when something uh, wrong happens, you won't progress in life. You will always live a life of anger. You will always live a life of bitterness. And you'll always come, you know, there are some people when you're with them, they keep on complaining and complaining. There's nothing good that they will tell you. They complain about their pastor. They complain about the church choir. They complain about everything. They complain about their prayer team. 
They complain about their, their school principal. They complain about their husband. They complain about their wives. They just keep on complaining and complaining and complaining. Last week, we talked about the cycle of bitterness. When you stay offended, you stay in that cycle forever. And something very interesting, when people discover that you are an angry man, you are an angry woman, they start to social distance themselves from you. They dissociate themselves from you. They start to avoid you. No wonder nobody enjoys your company because you can't stay in a relationship for long. Nobody wants to live with, with an angry woman. Nobody wants to live with an offended man. Nobody wants to live with a bitter man or a woman. Some people, they keep changing their relationships. They keep changing their friendships to avoid changing their, themselves, to avoid changing their behavior, to avoid changing their lives. Instead of changing your behavior, you change your friendship. You change your relationship. Because you easily get offended. And you keep on studying new things in your life. You keep on studying new things. Some of you always knew everywhere you go. Maybe we should give you the, the nickname Mr. New or Mrs. New. You always knew. Some of you, I'll meet you in the next week or so. You always knew. Always knew in everything. Because you refuse to be like Matthias. You refuse to stay the course. You refuse to stay long. And what you do is you just keep changing and changing and changing. Every time you meet these people, they are in a new church. They always search for a new church, the latest church. They're always in a new relationship. They're always in a new school. They're always registering for a new course. But they never finish the old one. They're always registering a new diploma, a new degree. They always have a new business. Always they have a new job. You always knew everywhere you go because you are easily offended. You can't stay in your church for four years or five years or maybe even for, even for, for seven years or 10 years. You can't stay in one church. There's an English saying. It says, a rolling stone gathers no moss. You never go anywhere in life if you keep on rolling and rolling and rolling. You're like a rolling stone because you easily get offended. They are always looking for a new pastor in town. When somebody starts a new church, they always rush there. They are looking for a new ministry. They are looking for a new church always. Can I plead with you? Please stay where God has planted you. Stay where God wants you to be. Psalm 92 verse 13, the Bible says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Some of you cannot flourish because you give up so easily. You cannot flourish because you don't stay in one place. You're always offended. No wonder you do not flourish in your life because you refuse to submit to your pastor. You refuse to submit. You refuse to stay where you are planted. A tree cannot develop roots if it is not planted. That's why you cannot develop roots. A different location, a different village, because all the pastors in that village have offended you. All your family members have offended you. Actually, you have a long list of the people who have offended you. Maybe it's time you do some self-introspection tonight. Matthias stayed with Jesus, even when he had all the reasons to be offended. All the reasons to be offended. 
I'm sure some of you will even make jokes about him. How, how do you keep on following somebody who does not even recognize you? I've never heard Jesus calling Matthias or naming him in any of the events or any of the miracles that Jesus performed. But Matthias stayed the course. He stayed committed. He did not give up. He did not get offended. Please do not be easily offended if you want to progress in life. Don't be easily offended if you want to succeed in ministry. People will talk bad about you. Don't get offended. People will gossip about you. Please don't get offended. Do, do you think I, I believe that everybody loves me? Everybody likes what I'm doing? No. No, I don't, I don't lie to myself. There are people who used to join this life, this uh, ministry, or used to join the Bible study, and they gave up and they started to speak bad about me. I'm okay with that. And somebody will come back and tell me, did you hear what so-and-so said about you? You know, if, if, I, if, if I had listened to people, I would have stopped doing this long time ago. I'm not doing this for likes. Whether somebody click like, 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 like or not, I'm not doing this for that. I'm doing this to grow the kingdom of God. And some of you will be offended. It's okay. Some of you will like me. It's okay. That is my value. My value does not go up and down like the rent. No, no. My value is still the same. Whether you like me or you don't like me, I don't get offended because of that. You, you cannot devalue me. You cannot devalue me. Do not give up. When you give up, you give the devil a chance in your life. When you get offended, you give the devil a chance in your life. You open doors for the devil. We have seen what happened to Judas Iscariot. You have seen what happened. That is the main reason the Bible says, don't let the sun go down while you are offended, while you are angry. You must grow a thick skin. Some of you, you are proud. You are so proud of your short temper. You are so proud of your anger. You should be ashamed that you're short-tempered. It is not a blessing to be short-tempered. Some, they even, they are so proud of it. They even say, you know, everybody at home, they know it. They know me. Even in the office, they know it. They do not just offend me so easily. Even my pastor, he knows that I get easily offended. He knows that I'm short-tempered. That is not something to be proud of. You have to make some changes in your life. In this life, you'll always have opportunity to be offended every day. But you make a choice. Paul says, I have decided. I've made a choice that I will not allow people to offend me. And I give up on ministry. I give up on my family. I give up on my wife. I give up on my husband. The most important thing is, how do you handle it? Offense will always come. Always come. And by the way, by the way, as other people offend you, you also offend other people. You're not Mr. Clean. You're not Mrs. Clean. There are other people that you do things, you say things that offend them. Some of them, they just keep quiet and keep moving and just ignore you. Don't behave like you don't offend other people. Whether it's at work, at home, in church, you don't have to be known for being short-tempered. Be known for something else. Be known for being a hard worker. Be known for being a prayerful Christian. Be known for good things. 
Oh, I have no patience for anybody. No, no. You have to learn to be strong like Matthias and Paul. Judas and Matthias. Both of them, they went through almost a similar experience, but handled that situation differently. The final outcome was different. Judas died early. Matthias was elevated and he became one of the apostles. When I talk about relationships, please, I want you to understand me. I'm not talking about abusive relationships here. If you're in an abusive relationship, please, please, please. That's not what I'm talking about here. If you're in an abusive relationship, report it to the authorities immediately. Ask for help. Report to the police, report to the pastor, report to somebody, the social workers, find some help immediately. If you're in an abusive relationship, talk to someone who can help you. That's not what I'm talking about here. No, we have a lot of people who are offended in ministry. I don't know what you're offended about, what, what they did to offend you. But we're living in a society that is full of angry women and men. In the road, we have a lot of angry drivers, angry customers, angry managers, angry principals, angry, angry pastors, angry friends, angry parents, angry children. Are you a bitter woman? Are you a bitter or an angry man? Are you an angry pastor? Are you an angry leader? Are you an offended principal? Are you an angry manager? I want to say this to you. God can heal you. God can heal you. You cannot continue to live in anger. You know, unresolved anger or extended anger will kill you. We saw what happened to Judas Iscariot because of anger. We saw what happened to John the Baptist because of anger and offense. You have to break that cycle. You have to break that cycle. Don't live in denial. Are you an offended person? Are you an angry person? If you do not deal with that anger, if you do not deal with that, with that, with that spirit of offense, one day you will explode. One day it will kill you. Anger, bitterness, is like pregnancy. You cannot hide it forever. At some point, it will be revealed. You cannot hide your anger forever. There will come a situation, there will come a point where it will be exposed. It's my prayer tonight, as we close, that you'll make a decision to get healed, to get healed in the name of Jesus. You cannot continue without anger forever. You cannot continue without offense forever. God wants to heal you. Let's pray.